The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome inside the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Once again, I am the namesake. Happy to have you back with us once again. This is Season 4, Episode 17. Where has the time gone? We've been doing this for well over a quarter of a year. You've had the podcast on the air. We thank you for joining us once again. We thank you for subscribe, your download, your listen. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. You can find new episodes every Wednesday on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe there as well. We urge you to do so, so that way the pod comes right into where Wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't have to go searching for it yourself every Wednesday. This is a podcast about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley, and we'll do our best to cover the scene for you. It's quarterfinal week in the West Virginia High School Football Playoffs. We've got a lot more to tell you about this week's action. You'll hear from Ritchie County head coach Rick Hott and players Gus Morrison and Connor Schaefer. Ahead of Ritchie County's matchup with Mount View, you'll also hear from our Metro News correspondent Tara Malone as he seeks to give us a deeper look at what's inside the state picture going on this week. A lot to tell you about over the first week of the postseason, so let's get right to it. The Rebels advance Past Clay Battelle, Ritchie County picks up a 46-14 win over the Seabees. Ritchie County led 24-7 after the first quarter and then ran away with a game with two third-quarter touchdowns. Gus Morrison did it through the air and on the ground. Caught three balls for 27 yards, but on the ground ran just 12 times, but didn't need to run a whole lot more. 164 yards, three touchdown runs. Ethan Hawk threw a touchdown pass to Marlon Moore to get the Rebels on the board. Ran for two second-half scores. So Ritchie County moves on. They'll face Mount View. Mount View a five seed, Ritchie County a four seed. So Mount View had the choice of date and time, and they selected Saturday at 1.30. That's a game that we'll have on Light Rock 93R. We'll tell you much more about Ritchie and Mount View later, but again, Ritchie County gets past Clay Battelle 46-14. A similar size victory for Williamstown as the Yellow Jackets rolled over Greenbrier West 48-20. Greenbrier West scored the first touchdown, and then Williamstown reeled off the next 34 points of the ball game. So much rushing yardage for the Yellow Jackets in this game. It was a two-headed monster of Ricky Allen 23 carries, 209 yards. Max Malessa, 23 carries, 195 yards. Good luck finding a more even split than that. Those two guys had two touchdown runs each. All told, the Yellow Jackets ran 53 times for 420 yards and seven total rushing touchdowns. And they will go on the road to play East Hardy Friday. So they elected to make it a short week for themselves. East Hardy played Friday. Williamstown played Saturday afternoon. But the Yellow Jackets wanted to get back into that Friday routine. They liked having the Saturday home game. As Chris Beck said last week, they've had traditionally good luck on Saturdays hosting in the playoffs, but they will go on the road and make a day of it going to Baker on Friday. And there's a couple ways you look at that. You look at that as, you know, okay, we're going to get our kids out of school, keep them focused. They're already used to getting up early on Friday and knowing that's a game night, so let's get them up, take all day to get over there, stretch our legs a little bit. They'll make a couple stops, I'm sure, to do that, maybe to watch some film and uh, spend a little time maybe doing a walkthrough if they can find a place to stop and do that. But the Yellow Jackets will go to East Hardy Friday, and on top of that, you play Friday night and then you come back home. Your options for Saturday on a trip that long really aren't that good when you think about it because either you get a 1.30 game which means you're waking up probably 4.35 o'clock just to leave before dawn and get to East Hardy and still probably need a stop or two to stretch your legs somewhere and get to East Hardy and play a 1.30 game. It still feels super early to you or you wait and play Saturday night and you do your day-long trip on Saturday and you come back and you get back and by then it's Sunday morning and you're gassed and you're tired and your coaches have to turn right around and go to the SSAC meetings on Sunday and that leaves them not a lot of time to rest 
or prepare for the following week. So you really put yourself in a bad spot on that long of a trip, no matter what you do. If you stay in a hotel Friday night and get up Saturday morning and play, then you have the whole idea of you got to keep a high school football team supervised and focused in a hotel stay. And that's often not a good thing. Coaches sometimes try it, but it is often not the best move. So I think in the playoffs, you stay out of hotels if you can at all help it. The Yellow Jackets doing the right thing, I think, by playing East Hardy on Friday. It'll be a tough matchup in the quarters. The, the quarterfinal round in all three classes, a really good round of football, especially Class A and Class AAA. We'll get to that in a bit. But Williamstown advances, as does Ritchie County. Now for the teams that didn't make it past this weekend. River's season ends in the third round of the Ohio playoffs, a 43-28 loss to Shadyside. The Pilots got out to a 21-7 lead in the second quarter, and they led 28-14 to the half before Shadyside roared back to score the final 29 points. Cabell Isley threw a touchdown pass to Brody Lolithan. He ran for two scores. Avery Kramer had the other score. The Pilots didn't have the prettiest record going into the playoffs at 6-4. They got the win over Frontier in the final week of the season, and that allowed them to get to the seventh seed and allowed them to host that first home game, which was Monroe Central. Beyond that, they went on the road to face number two Burn Union and upset a previously unbeaten Burn Union squad, and that set up the matchup with Shadyside. Shadyside, meanwhile, will move on to take on Newark Catholic in the Division 7 Region 27 final. That game Saturday at 7 in New Philadelphia. That one should be a pretty good ball game, but uh, give credit to Shadyside. They roared back, and they got the 43-28 win, scoring the game's final 29 points against the River Pilots. And a good season for River at 8-5. and five. Like I said, not the prettiest record, but they made a run into the third round of the playoffs, and that team has a lot coming back next year. Another team that does, the South Patriots. Parkersburg South fell 83-20 at Martinsburg. First time in program history that they had allowed 80 or more points in a game. This game had a weird flow to it. South trailed 57-0 at the half. They only trailed 15-0 after one, but then Martinsburg scored 42 straight in the second quarter to roll out to that 57-0 lead. South got back into the game largely against second-team defenders. They picked up 20 quick points. Robert Shockey ran for a score, threw for two more, one on a jet sweep to Cyrus Traw, and they found Tyson Mays on a deep pass that went for a touchdown. South got a stop and got the ball back down 57-20, to and at that point, if the Patriots had scored, there was still time on the third quarter clock, so they would have been able to stave off the running clock that comes with a game-shortening rule if they score. On that drive, they had the ball inside their own 20, down 57-20. to And again, not saying they would have come back to win the game, but they were close to preventing that running clock in the fourth quarter. However, Martinsburg came away with a pick six on that south drive. They recovered a fumble and ran it back for a touchdown on the next drive. And then they got another takeaway that they didn't immediately cash in, but they cashed in on a couple plays later. And next thing you knew, it was a laugher once again. Second teamers got a couple scores after that to make it 83-20. to Just like that, it went from a route to South might get in this one enough to at least not have the clock run in the fourth quarter to Martinsburg saying, well, not so fast. But for Parkersburg South, I think you shake this one off. And I won't get into the details of this game. There were a lot of blindside block penalties against Martinsburg, some unsportsmanlike conduct, some yapping on both sides, and really South's prompted by the aggression that Martinsburg was showing them largely after the play. Ask a Parkersburg South parent if you want their opinion on how the game went. It wasn't pretty for Parkersburg South in a lot of ways, but I think you put that one in the rearview mirror, and I think if you're smart, if you're a South fan, you just get in the shower and you wash it off proverbially and or literally. You wash that one off and you forget about it because here's the thing to remember. This South team only loses two seniors that see significant playing time on either side of the ball. I could be wrong. I could be missing one, but I believe it's just two seniors on either side of the ball that see significant playing time. They're going to return a boatload of talent next year and they're going to be one of the sexier picks in class AAA to finish in the top eight. They're going to be one of those teams that people pick and be like, don't sleep on South because they've got so much young talent back. Quarterback Robert Shockey, just a sophomore.
sophomore this year, held himself extremely well. Give him a year of seasoning and another year of seven on sevens and another year to work with Cyrus Traw, who'll be a senior next year. And that offense could be explosive, especially if that line gets healthy and they come together. They had some injuries on the line midway through the season. Hayden McGarry, the center, blew his knee out. Aiden Starcher didn't play a snap of the regular season because of a broken leg suffered in a scrimmage. So by the time the year ended, they were down two offensive linemen from where they thought they'd be and still made it to the playoffs, though they finished sub-500 at 5-6. and six. They battled as best as they could, and that line really congealed in the last couple weeks of the season, and they kept the pocket clean for Robert Shockey as South got back-to-back wins to get into the playoffs. But if they can get a developed line and continue their work in the weight room and continue getting Robert Shockey comfortable with his offensive threats, this could be a really, really important team to watch in Class AAA next season. Around the state, no big surprises in Class AAA. Number 9, George Washington defeated number 8, Greenbrier East, but really that sets up a great quarterfinal weekend, and I'll set that up for you here in just a second. How about this one, though? In Class A, number 16, Fairmont Senior defeated number 1, Herbert Hoover, 30-28 to at University of Charleston Stadium. That game was tied late when Fairmont Senior was stuffed on the goal line, but on the ensuing Herbert Hoover possession, Fairmont Senior sacked Hoover's quarterback in the end zone to force the eventual game-winning safety. Our Metro News correspondent Tara Malone covered this game, and he was able to grab a word and some thoughts post-game from Fairmont Senior head coach Nick Bardick. It's playoff time. You know, we tell our guys Thunderdome, and uh, this had all the feeling of you know of a title bout. Yeah, that's that's how it's going to feel every round, and. Uh, in the playoffs, and uh, you know they have a great team, and that, and, and I, th- I think people got their money's worth today uh, watching that game. It, it, what a battle, and what I mean, that was uh, high-level competition. Our guys battled, man. They battled all year, and they battled back when they got down. But you know, Hoover's uh, going to score points, so it's not like you know you have to be able to score with them. So I mean, our defense did about as good as job I think you can do against them, and we give up 28 points. So I mean, that's just you know that's the level they're at. That's Fairmont senior head coach Nick Bardick, and a special thanks to Tara Malone from Metro News for providing the sound. If you're not familiar with the reference, that is a reference to Mad Max, the 1985 movie Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. It's a scene where it's famously said. Thunderdome, two men enter, one man leaves. And uh, that's very much been a theme of Nick Bardock's for a long time as head coach at Fairmont Senior. He's been all about using that to describe what the playoffs are like. That's what it's like. Two teams come in, one team is going to go home and go pick up wrestling singlets and basketball shoes. So Fairmont Senior advances. They're a 16 over a 1. How about a 14 over a 3? That's what you had with Bluefield upsetting Point Pleasant. Last week on the show, I thought it would be Fairmont Senior pulling the upset on Herbert Hoover, but I didn't think Bluefield would get past Point Pleasant. The Beavers proved me wrong getting past Point Pleasant. Yet another upset is number 13, Frankfurt defeats number 4, Lincoln. Lincoln went into this game at 8-2 and in a 4C, but Frankfurt has been a perennial favorite in Class AA for the last several years, and they were able to pull the upset. And then you have number 10, Roan, over Nicholas County getting to the quarterfinals as well. So it's a quarterfinals in AA that has a lot of double-digit seeds. In fact, they've got four double-digit seeds that are making it to a second weekend to play. Some schools that you might not have expected to see there, but they believed, and they're there, and and we'll see what they can do this round. You like a double digit at a Class A? How about another 16? This may be the first weekend, by the way, in the history of the West Virginia High School football playoffs where two 16s advanced over their respective one seed. Gilmer County upset Cameron, and now they'll face Wheeling Central. Gilmer County comes away with a 19-14 win over top seed at Cameron, and so they'll draw Wheeling Central Saturday afternoon for the chance to go to the semifinals. So you have Gilmer getting the 16th seed over Tyler Consolidated on the fifth tiebreaker, and then that team goes into Cameron 
and gets the win in the opening week of the playoffs. Some people have said before that maybe 16 teams is too many for the postseason and we need to stay with just eight. This weekend to me is why you need 16. Ohio went 16 and in Ohio right now that's more of a cash grab than anything else because you might have a 10 over a 7, a 9 over an 8 in Ohio but you're not going to get upsets this big. I have seen 3 and 4 seeds stumble in the playoffs. I did a game about a decade ago where Wirt County was a 4 seed and they played Bishop Donahue a 13 seed and Bishop Donahue came into Elizabeth and came away with the upset win. They were the better team that night. Occasionally you have that where a team gets puffed up record and a puffed up ranking because they really haven't played anybody or they got an upset win over a decent team on a bad night and it just for whatever reason doesn't seem like West Virginia's 16 team field goes to chalk the same way that Ohio's 8 team did and now Ohio's 6 team has. And even in Ohio, look at what we had two weeks ago with River upsetting Burn Union to get the playoff game with Shadyside last week. A game they led 28-14 at the half by the way. So not for nothing. But I think this weekend proves to you why 16 teams belong. Are you always going to get two 16 seeds that are good enough to get past the respective one seeds? No, you're not. Fairmont Senior defending champion. Their schedule was tough this year because they played anybody and everybody, and that's why their record was ugly and they got in as a 16 seed. For Gilmer County, that's not so much the case there, but they played a tough schedule, had a good offense, had a so-so record because they lost the games to the teams that were supposed to beat them, more or less. But they went against a Cameron team that had not really been properly tested and found Cameron on a bad day. And sometimes you also see this. Teams that don't often have high seeds or haven't had high seeds and don't know what to do in those positions, they sometimes show up really tight and put on performances like what you saw Cameron put on. And so a 16 seed like Gilmer that had zero to lose in the game, they come in and they win the game. They steal a win from Cameron and have to shatter some hearts with a 19-14 to win. So they're going to go face Wheeling Central and see if they can't make it to the semifinals as a 16 seed. What this also does is it takes the number one seed Cameron out of the postseason. And if you're, let's say, Ritchie County, that means that no matter who comes out of the other side of the bracket, if Ritchie County wins on Saturday against Mount View, they would host a Class A semifinal, regardless of whether or not it is Wheeling Central or Gilmer County. Gilmer County will be a regular season rematch of a game that they won at Gilmer County this year. Wheeling Central was a team that came into Ritchie County two years ago in the second round of the playoffs and got a win in quarterfinal play there. And as I talked to head coach Rick Hott last week, they like the idea of having Wheeling Central at their place. As he was saying to me off the air, if we can't get by him at our place, why would we deserve to see him at a state championship game? That's what they would have. They would have a potential matchup with Wheeling Central in the semis in Ellenboro. But first things first, they got to get past Mountain View. But if you're Ritchie County, that either motivates you further or it adds further confusion and further distraction knowing that if you win this game this week you will host a state semifinal and the cards are in your favor as you head toward the Super 6 as you make a bid to get into the Super 6. Quickly running down the schedule in the quarterfinals in all three classes in Class AAA you've got George Washington at Huntington Friday night. You've got University at Cabell Midland Friday night and the only other Friday night game is Martinsburg in a rematch with Spring Valley. Spring Valley handed Martinsburg their only loss of the regular season, but that was at Spring Valley three weeks ago. This one will be in Martinsburg. And then Saturday afternoon, number three, Bridgeport hosts number six, Jefferson. In class, double A. Three Friday games and a Saturday game. Number eight, Robert C. Bird hosts Fairmont Senior. You heard from Fairmont Senior head coach Nick Bardick. That is a regular season rematch, by the way, and it was a tough game in the regular season. Other Friday games, number two, Independence, who hung 73 on Shady Spring, will host Roan County. And number 14, Bluefield visits number six, North Marion. The Saturday afternoon 
Spring Games number 5, Polka, at home against number 13, Frankfurt. And then in Class A, the only Friday game, number 6, Williamstown on the road at number 3, East Hardy. Saturday afternoon games feature Wheeling Central hosting Gilmer County, number 4, Ritchie County, against number 5, Mountview. And then Saturday night at 7.30, it's number 2, Doddridge, at home against number 7, James Monroe. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Time now to go between the hash marks as we take a look at the Ritchie County Mount View game. And before we get into Ritchie County, I gotta apologize a little bit to our Williamstown audience. Williamstown does have a big game this week. I did not have a chance to get over to talk to Chris Beck before this podcast airs. And our station has the Ritchie County Mount View game. That is a Saturday game, so we won't be able to talk about the Williamstown East Hardy game in pregame. So you'll not hear Chris Beck on the podcast this week. If Williamstown wins, I guarantee it, I'll make it an effort to get over to see Chris Beck sometime early next week, so we'll get some Williamstown sound on here. I know my Williamstown listeners are a very loyal group, and I apologize for not getting them on this week, but again, the Yellow Jackets, if they're able to advance, we'll have them on this week, uh, but I didn't get them this week because A, I didn't have time, and B, I'm not able to use them on Countdown to Kickoff on Light Rock 93R anyway. That having been said, we'll take a deeper look at the Ritchie County Mount View ball game. Ritchie County comes in off of their big performance against Clay Battelle, 46-14, the final score there. The Rebels got three touchdown runs from Gus Morrison, as we said, two from Ethan Haught, he threw a touchdown pass to Marlon Moore in that contest. Was never really in doubt. The Rebels led 24-7 after the first quarter. Mountview comes in off an 18-6 win over number 12 Sherman. The word on Mountview is that their two best skill players have some of the best speed that Ritchie County has seen all season. Earlier this week, I had a chance to talk with Ritchie County head coach Rick Haught about what his Rebels can expect from Mountview and about how he thought things went against Clay Battelle. Coach, playing in the daytime for the first time this year, how did your team adjust to that? You know, we did it a little bit different. We've played in the playoffs a couple different Saturdays. We've done it different each time. In the past, we've brought them them in a little bit early, either done walkthroughs or stuff like that. This year, we decided to wait and bring them, just try to make it like a normal day when they'd have to be here, and that worked well out well for us. I thought the kids come in and did a good job with uh, getting ready to play. So I think our kids are getting used to playing on a Saturday afternoon. A lot of games this year, you've been able to rely on Ethan Hott, Gus Morrison. There are a lot of games where it's been other guys that have had to step up and do it. This time it was Ethan and Gus. What opened things up for them and what allowed them to find the success they had? I think we we looked at things this week and I thought going into the week that Gus could have a big game. I just thought there was ways that we could get him the ball that he would do well against Clay Battelle. Now with Ethan, sometimes you you just don't know until the, the game presents itself. I didn't expect him to have the running success that he did, but what I was really proud of him this game, we tried to do some RPO stuff and, and we've got some different stuffs in and things that, um, you know, he's got some reads to where he can pull the ball and run. He's never taken advantage of that this year. And it was late third quarter and we had one of those where he hands off to the fullback or he looks to make a throw. Now this time he's reading the backside defensive end and instead of handing it off, he, he pulls it and runs and that's, you know, he scores like 14, 15, 20 yard touchdown, whatever it was. Made an exceptional read. I mean, the guy was crashing hard. He pulled it and, you know, it was on on the far side of the field from us and I'll be honest with you I didn't know he scored he and Brandon Riddle does such a good job with their play fakes that I was just watching the fullback (laughs) and and the fullback got tackled in the backfield it was exactly the perfect read because it's a loss if if he doesn't pull it and run and so that's what he does for us and so from weekend to week out he didn't do the things with his arm that he does windy day and had some difficulties there so you know he, he makes some nice reads with his legs 
is he really only now fully grasping what exactly he has at his fingertips of this offense? I think so. You know, all of this stuff that we're starting to do with him this year, and not just him, with Gus and, and Brandon and Austin Bartlett and all those, those were the skilled people that we thought we had. And so we, we started back in the summer trying to figure out how we could put them in the best situation to use their abilities. And, and I, I do think in the last three or four games, the, we are getting much better at that. The kids are kind of reading each other. And, and, and Nathan is making very good reads and has a good comfort level with what he can do out of the offense. And then with Gus, was his speed and athleticism just enough to get around Clay Battelle's size last week? I told him this yesterday. I thought what he did a really good job with Saturday is, you know, the, the field wasn't muddy, wet, but it was slick. He's a long stride guy, and that usually doesn't bode well for slick fields. And he did a good job of altering his style of running to where he keep his feet underneath of him. And, and I think that's what led to his success. He still looked faster than everybody, but uh, where Clay Battelle's, you know, trying to make cuts and falling down, Gus has made the right adjustments to where he, he's able to get to the edge and, and make good runs. How does Mountview compare to the opponent you saw last week? I think really different. Clay Battelle had decent size, lined up and kind of had a good tailback or, or played him at quarterback and wildcat and they just run behind a line. And they basically were just a ground game type team. Mountview is, is the opposite. They want to spread you out. They got a couple really fast kids that uh, they want to they want to get them in space and I will say they're a really good turf team so the fact that you know we've earned a home playoff game we're playing on grass our kids are kind of used to practicing playing on grass I think that may be an advantage for us this week grass that may still be a little slippery from last week or maybe re-slippery this time of year just stuff doesn't dry out the field's not in bad shape and it'll it'll be dry it's just a matter of how much rain we get on Thursday we'll just get a little bit but uh, we got enough rain last week we got enough rain early Saturday morning that this kind of made the conditions that it was. I was thinking when we were uh, practicing Friday night, field was in great shape. It was pretty warm. I thought, oh, I wish we were playing tonight. Because the next morning, you know, it had rained. It was, the field was pretty wet, and, and it turned really cold. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we fought those conditions, too. Unfortunately, it's not your choice, and it won't be your choice the rest of the way, because elsewhere in the bracket, you are the highest seed remaining on your side, and you wouldn't have to leave here until going to Wheeling. You know that. Your players are smart enough to know that. But how hard is it to keep keep that out of focus and keep the immediate first and foremost. I like to think our kids have shown that they're pretty mature about that, and I, I think they know the task at hand this Saturday afternoon, a good Mountain View team, and you know the way technology is anymore. I mean, we've got like seven Mount View games, so the kids are watching film and they're seeing who they are, and you know, I think they'll respect Mount View. And I did tell them, I said, you know, this is the game where we was at this time last year, so we're now at where we played Greenbrier West last year, so we're at that point of the season again. I thought talking to the team yesterday, you know, before we went out to practice, we just kind of talked about some stuff, and they seemed to be very in tune to the task at hand. Is this a more mature bunch than the group you had last year at this time? I don't know if I would compare them that way. You know, each team has its own strengths, but we've been very fortunate last, I would argue that even my first year, I had a really good group of mature seniors who just, they wanted to win because they never had. And then with each year after that, we've had a nice group of seniors who've who've helped lead us to that and been pretty mature. And same with this group, I think. Are you finding now that as these playoff runs continue year after year after year, year that you're starting to see in your younger players an expectation and a culture of winning. They do have a different mindset I think. I think you they've evolved as we move through the season. Even in the I think the school environment I think you have more kids that think hey you know it looks like that's a place to be. Football looks like it's a lot of fun and things like that and so the young kids are developing and kind of I think developing that mindset also. Can you counter Mount View speed? I sometimes don't trust myself watching film.
zone. I know they got really good speed, but you know, we've got good speed too. Now, are we as fast as them? Team-wise, I think we are faster. I think up front, we're very athletic and we have to use that to our advantage. Now, is my top two players as fast as their top two? Probably not. And so we'll spend a lot of time this week of being very disciplined on defense and making sure people are where they belong because Mount View kind of, they create as they go. For us, if a hole's here, we're going to run that hole. For them, if that hole's not there, well, they'll find someplace else to go. And so we've got to make sure that our guys are in the right spot defensively. Matter of staying disciplined and staying in your lane? Absolutely. Good pursuit angles and, and, and where they pursue. They're going to have to be very disciplined on the fact that the angles that they, they go to the ball instead of just trying to get to the ball in any any direction. That's Richie County head coach Rick Haunt. At Richie County High School, they're not taking any chances. They don't want anybody to get contact, traced, or to get removed from the game because of a positive COVID test. So the players out there, there's a collection of about a dozen to a dozen and a half players that are unvaccinated or have not had the virus in the last 90 days. Per CDC guidelines, they are able to do their work in a separate classroom from the rest of the student population, somewhat sequestered away amongst one another so that they can stay on the field. It's an effort from Ritchie County Schools to not have to make that difficult call to say someone can't play in a big game because they're contact traced or unfortunately have to remove somebody for a positive test. This cuts down that chance. So for some of the players at Ritchie County High School, it's been a long week of school and it will continue to be a long week of school. Next week, of course, is Thanksgiving break. And then if they're lucky enough to make it to the Super 6, I'm sure that week will look very much like this one. I did have a chance to catch up earlier this week as well with Gus Morrison and Connor Schaefer. The production numbers weren't quite there early this season for Gus Morrison, but they've picked up in recent weeks. As we said last week on the ground, 164 yards and three scores. That's because defenses early in the year were keying in on Ethan Hot and Gus Morrison. I asked Gus how frustrating that was to have defenses do that to him and Ethan early in the season. At the beginning of this season, we developed uh, Marlon Moore and Austin Bartlett and then Brandon Riddle. They've all been a big help to get pressure off me and Ethan because whenever everyone starts double-teaming us, we can pop the ball out to one of them and they can get just the same numbers. That's Richie County's Gus Morrison. I also asked him what his offensive line has meant to their success this year. Off-season, postseason, they were in the weight room more than any of us. We all should have been in there a little more, but they, they can say they were in there the most, so that definitely helps. That's Richie County's Gus Morrison. I also spoke with offensive lineman Connor Schaefer, who's been a three-year starter and is the center on this year's team about last year and how that's motivated this club's run this season. It really motivated us that we made it that far and we got a lot of experience under our belt with, I think, 13 games or 12 games. I think we played the most in the state last year, so just having that experience really helped us get ready for this year. How frustrating was it to do everything that you were asked to do last year and then not to be able to finish the job? Uh, It's kind of frustrating that it was out of our control because we did everything we could and won all the games we were supposed to to get that far just for it to be taken away. Is that a motivating factor for this year? Yeah, it is because we want to get back there and finish out the season in the championship like I feel we could have last year, so it's just motivation. That's Ritchie County lineman Connor Schaefer. I want to thank head coach Rick Haught for making Gus Morrison and Connor Schaefer available to me this week. You can hear the full interviews with both Gus and Connor on Countdown to Kickoff this Saturday at noon on Light Rock 93R, ahead of our coverage of the Ritchie County Mount View game. Our Metro News correspondent, Tara Malone, has plenty to talk about, I'm sure, this week in regards to what happened last week on the state scene with two 16-over-1 upsets and a lot of topsy-turviness, particularly in Class AA. He'll also set us up for the games that he's watching this week. Taryn? Hey, Eric. This week, I'm going to recap what happened statewide in the opening week of the playoffs and pre 
preview the Class Single A quarterfinal bracket this upcoming weekend. We'll begin in Class Double A as number 16 Fairmont Senior upset number one Herbert Hoover. The Polar Bears was coming into the matchup sitting at five and four, barely hanging on into the Class Double A playoff picture. Meanwhile, Herbert Hoover was the number one seed and they were 10 and 0. This game started with Hoover out to an early 14 to nothing lead in the first couple of minutes. Then Fairmont would cut the deficit and retake the lead at 15 to 14. Then we would head into the locker room, knotted up at 21 apiece. Then we'll fast forward to the fourth quarter. We're now tied at 28. Fairmont would face a fourth and four situation on the four yard line. They'd get stopped with three minutes on the clock at the one yard line. Hoover would take over on downs and would start fresh at the one. Fairmont would force a safety and it would be 30 to 28 as Fairmont Senior would upset number one Herbert Hoover in one of the most wild games I've ever seen in recent years. Some other notable games this past weekend included number 14, Bluefield. They hang on and upset number three, Point Pleasant. Number six, Williamstown got the win over number 11, Greenbrier West. And then another number one seed upset between at number 16, Gilmer County over number one, Cameron. Moving on to this week's class single A quarterfinals. We have a good slate of games this week as we begin with our first matchup, which is number 16, Gilmer County at number eight, Wheeling Central Catholic. I think this will be an interesting start in the first quarter. If Gilmer can have a really good defensive series against Central, catch them off guard, I think it could be a really competitive first half. However, I feel Wheeling Central will pull away in the second half as I predict Central to win this one by a final score of 56 to 14. Next game is on the same side of the bracket as number five, Mount View takes on number four, Ritchie County. I think this game is going to be where most of the points is scored this week out of all of the class single A games. Expect an absolute dogfight for the class single A semifinal spot next week. Both Mountview and Ritchie is one good play away from being undefeated this season. Ritchie lost to Dodgers in double overtime. Meanwhile, Mountview lost to Townswell, Virginia by a final score of 22 to 18. My prediction will be Ritchie County advancing over Mountview by a final score of 44 to 28. And the Rebels will have set up a rematch in Ellenboro against perennial power Wheeling Central Catholic. The next matchup on the board is number seven, James Monroe, taking on number two, Doddridge County. This will be the first matchup between both schools ever. I think this will be a lopsided game for the Bulldogs. No disrespect to the Mavericks of James Monroe, but I don't see them having the firing power as what Doddridge County has had over recent weeks and recent seasons. I'll take the Bulldogs in this matchup by a final score of 34 to seven. And finally, what is expected to be the best game in class single A this week, number six, Williamstown at number three, East Hardy. This game is my class single A game of the week. Both schools have met three times, all of which were in the playoffs in the past decade. East Hardy has won the last two matchups at home over the Yellow Jackets, dating back to 2016 and 2017 by final scores of 20 and 14 and then 14 to 10. I feel East Hardy is going to try to make an air approach offense while the Yellow Jackets will keep it more to the ground. I think this will be a close game as I choose the Yellow Jackets to move on to the final four, taking on on Dodgers County in the state semifinals, a final score of 28 to 21. And also, you can follow me for updates all across the great state of West Virginia and more this weekend. My game on Friday will take me back to North Marion High School as the Huskies take on one of the toughest 14 seeds ever in the state of West Virginia in the Bluefield Beavers. Then on Saturday, I will be at Bridgeport High School as the Indians host the Jefferson Cougars for a spot in the Clash AAA semifinals. It should be a good weekend. Reporting in Morgantown, I'm Tara Malone for Metro News. Eric, back to you. That's our Metro News correspondent, Tara Malone. Thank you so much 
much for the contributions this week, Taryn. Stay safe out there as you continue to cover the high school football postseason as we enter the quarterfinal round. On 7 Rangers Radio, we're down to just one game this week. Ritchie County hosts Mount View at 1.30 p.m. Saturday. Our coverage on Light Rock 93R begins at noon with Countdown to Kickoff, where again, you can hear Rick Hot, head coach of the Ritchie County Rebels. You can hear the full interviews with Gus Morrison and Connor Schaefer of the Rebels. And you'll also hear highlights from last week's contest as Ritchie County defeated Clay Battelle. John Mike Nichols joins for some analysis as well. My games of the week in the area, one is a local one, two or not. The one that includes a local team, I'll give some love to the Williamstown Yellow Jackets. How about the work that Max Melissa and Ricky Allen are doing in absence of Trevor Oates? Those two have really picked up the slack. They both very nearly had 200 yards each as the team ran for over 400 yards in their first round win against Greenbrier West. They'll do it on a short week with one fewer day of rest, and they'll do it after crossing the state this week to take on East Harding. St. Mary's was out there in the regular season and they fell short. What can Williamstown do as the first team in the postseason to have to go across the mountains and play East Hardy in Baker this year? Will they be the first? Will they be the last? Who knows? We'll see as Williamstown makes the trip to East Hardy on Friday. Another big game. These are two teams that I've seen. Cabell Midland and University. University is a sneaky good team that not enough people are talking about. Their wide receivers are as good as anybody's in the state. They're the number four ranked team in class AAA. They got a 52-10 win over Woodrow Wilson last week and they're going to face a very run-heavy Cabell Midland squad. They got a 49-12 win over South Charleston. Cabell Midland has some of the best backs and skill players you'll see in the state. They don't throw the ball a ton, but they can when they need to. They have a very potent weapon at tight end. They always have a tight end they can throw the ball to, and this year's team is no different. University can throw it as well, but they can run also. Just a very good, solid football team that will give Cabell Midland a run for their money, and they may give Cabell Midland their best test until they get to Wheeling Island and potentially face the Martinsburg Bulldogs. And my other game, you guessed it, Martinsburg and Spring Valley. This is the third time these two teams will meet in the last two seasons. Spring Valley got a regular season win out in Martinsburg last year during a COVID season. Martinsburg returned the trip to Spring Valley this year, but on Halloween weekend, it was Martinsburg getting all the tricks and none of the treats. Martinsburg turned the ball over five times on a sloppy field at Spring Valley and still almost won that game, a 35-30 loss to the Timberwolves. So Spring Valley will now make the trip to Martinsburg to see if they can win twice against this Martinsburg team in the same season and three times in the last two years. Or will Martinsburg get past Spring Valley and end that bugaboo once and for all? So those are the three games that I've decided are my games of the week, my picks to watch this week. But there are a lot of good games out there. This quarterfinal round, we read the games for you earlier, may be one of the finer rounds of playoff football I've seen in some time in this state. There's some really, really terrific matchups coming up this weekend. Download us every Wednesday. New episodes available on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe there as well. Rate us and review us through Apple Podcasts also. Next week, it's the semifinal round in West Virginia. Just six games remain that will decide the six teams that will face off in the Super Six. Who will be left standing? Tara Malone from Metro News will join us next week as well. If there are any local teams, we'll talk to those coaches and maybe even some players and get you the coverage from those teams and those games as well and enjoy quarterfinal playoff action. My name is Eric Little. Thank you for once again joining us on the pod. We'll do it again next week. And until then, enjoy quarterfinal weekend, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Come back next week for another new episode. And thanks for listening.